And now back to Lifeline. Hey, we are back. Welcome. Hour number two. Time flies when you're having fun, or as the Frank said, time's fun when you're having flies. We are talking about love tonight here on Lifeline. Pastor Phil Howard, your guest host, and our guest joining us tonight, Randy Oste, one of the elders here at Valley Bible Church. And we're just getting a glimpse into his life's story, a real classic example of just how reckless God's love can really be. You know, we have these preconceived notions and ideas as to what love is. And, you know, uh, to to quote Randy Norman, John and Paul said, all you need is love. And then they broke up. Um, We're not talking about that kind of love. We're talking about a love that makes no sense at all. A love that is generated by, pointed to, and expressed upon the unlovable. The completely unlovable. And if you were with us uh, just before the top of the hour, you got a glimpse of that. Uh, Randy, you, as you mentioned just uh, in the middle of the break, you pretty much gave us that uh, that thumbnail sketch, you know, the elevator version. We kind of zipped past a couple of stories, uh, a couple of levels there that we need to go back and kind of look at a little bit. Um, you were, uh, by, by your own words, you were a vile man. Yes. You were, you were just a, a, you were living a life that said, I hate God. Absolutely. And, uh, you had a wife that loved you. Mm-hmm. Uh, was she a Christian at the time? Was she not? How, who is it? You said, you said God tapped you on the shoulder. Who did, who did God use to, to get that finger on that shoulder? So, so I met my wife when she was 14. I was 16. We were in high school. She was a freshman. I was a sophomore. And we began to date. And so um, she was raised in a, uh, a, a devout Christian household. Uh, her mother is a PK. Um, uh, her father was saved at 22, um, same age I was saved. And uh, they were living for Christ. They went down to uh, El Golgotha Church down in Richmond. And, um, and so I actually... When I met my wife, I pulled her out of church, and she began to um, live a life of sin with me. And so when you ask, um, was she saved? Um, her testimony, she would say she put faith in Christ as a, at a mission missionette's camp, but she says she never really felt like she truly put faith in Christ, that when I came to faith, it was almost as if she came to faith. It's hard to pinpoint it, but it seems as though God may have just reaffirmed her faith. But she, I drug her out of church, and she was a prodigal during that time. Um, and so, uh, when you say was there any influence, um, there was. There were many people that along the path had introduced me to to God in in certain circumstances, but. When I met my wife and her parents, um, they were very influential. I would always feel the peace of God in their home. Um, the mother has uh, uh, this this godly love, and um, even when I when I did put faith in Christ, I I helped. I I explained to her. I said, you know, a part of my journey. I just remember just how um, gracious and merciful you were to me, and how much you loved me. And it, and um, it was a a love that I didn't recognize. And that's that's your wife's mom. This is my mother-in-law. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. And so um, and and getting back into that story, um, you gotta imagine. So for years, she walked. My wife walked away from church. Uh, she followed me. 
we got married in sin. Uh, we, um, she moved with me and was with me in the Air Force. When I came back, I was still an unbeliever, so I was living a life of sin. And um, uh, God just, he just, he was, he was relentless. And it just seemed like every corner I turned, God showed up. And so uh, when I say he tapped me on the shoulder, um, it's, it's uh, just basically I felt the prompting of the spirit where God revealed himself in a way to say, I can forgive you of your sins. Hmm. You need to repent. Hmm. You need to ask for forgiveness. And it was directed towards my wife. You need to ask, you need to tell your wife everything, confess it all, ask for forgiveness, repent and get right with me. And it is that, uh, that repenting of everything and telling her the whole story. You felt she would leave you at that point. Absolutely. We, I remember vividly, we sat down on a wall backs against the wall. I shared it all with her and surprisingly she had some things to confess also, but I still felt like she was probably going to leave me. And, um, Thank God she didn't. Instead, God reconciled our marriage. And uh, it's amazing because um, as we were talking about forgiveness, um, we learned how to forgive each other. Hmm. And it's helped us in our journey because uh, we've been through a lot. We've been through things that most most marriages would not have survived what we had to go through. Right. But because of God's grace and mercy, he allowed us to forgive one another, but he's also given us the spirit of of forgiveness and grace and mercy towards others. You know, Phil, I I listen to him talk, and it's a a love that just doesn't make sense, does it? No. Here's, Here's a man who is is just a, a gross sinner, somebody who lives as though he hates God. And then he comes along and he takes one of God's little kids and and rests her from his, his grasp, seemingly. And he still has enough love and compassion and grace to say, I, I still want to save you. I still love you. In spite of this, I still love you. And then the, the little nugget that really gets me, uh, this is where I would love to know more, your mother-in-law. I mean, I can, you know, it. I, I know enough of Scripture, and I've been walking with the Lord long enough to know that he's got that kind of depth of, of love to be able to do this. But to shed that kind of love abroad into a woman who, y- y- you took away her daughter. Now, I, I'm married. <laughs> Phil, you are too. We know mama bears. <laughs> we know mama bears. So for this woman to come and say, Look and go, okay, this man has has taken my daughter, not only from me, really, but from the God I love. And you've made her a prodigal. And I love you. This amazing. I, I think of First John. See what strange manner of love the Father has lavished, lavished. on us that we should be called children of God. So... It, it's it's a and that it, is what we are. That's what it, and in the Greek it's foreign. What foreign kind of love is oh. this that God would take and make Randy a saved man 
raising these kids in the fear of God. It's uh, it's the great love of this. We're not talking about. I don't know what love is. It's the love that sacrifices. Yes. The love that can forgive. You know, when you forgive, you bear the debt of what another did against you. Yeah. Said, I, I don't want any penalty. Yeah. Say, no, 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 no. I, man, let me just hit you once. Yeah. No, yeah. All, all charges dropped. Mm-hmm. I'll bear it. When you forgive, and so God said, I'll forgive you. And thank God, uh, a wife said, I don't want to start over. I'll forgive you yeah. as I need to be forgiven. All right. Uh, just to give you an idea how fast things go by, we need to take a time out again. Oh, my. It's, it, it, it does. It screams by, but we, we want to get right back into this conversation because this really is at the heart of everything that we stand for, at the heart of who we are, what we believe and why. This is why we are here tonight on the radio. This is why you're listening to us tonight. Hard to comprehend, harder still to describe and, and, and come up with definitions, but we are here because of the love of God in Christ shed abroad in our hearts. And as, as Randy would say, to, right now might be the time God puts his hand on your shoulder Amen. and says, isn't it time we talk? Yes. And isn't it time for you to just throw your hands up and say, guilty of all charges, I want your forgiveness. I want to receive Christ by grace Mm. alone. This is your time. It is. And if you'd like to talk to us, Randy, Phil, myself, 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X, 888-367-5329. Quick time out. We're back with Lifeline right after this. Real Options is looking for compassionate people whose passion. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. It is our uh, Friday edition, our Truth For Today edition with Pastor Emeritus Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our guest tonight joining us here in studio, Randy Oste, one of the elders here at the church. And we've uh, spent some time getting a practical look at what radical, uh, biblical, godly love really is. It's a love that doesn't make sense. Nope. But boy, I tell you one thing, man. I'll, I'll, I'll never deny it. No, no. <laughs> it may not. It's still. It's been uh, 40 years for me, and it still doesn't make sense. But uh, praise God that uh, it does to our heavenly Father. Amen. And and this is. And I want to get to that. You had made mention of this, and it, it really does. It, man, it really doesn't make sense that you've got this woman who's lost her daughter. To a, to a guy who's taken her down this this nasty, ugly road, and she still loves you. I, I, I've got to know, what is the relationship with your mother and father-in-law today? That's got to be amazing. That's got to be amazing. Well, um, we have a good relationship. Unfortunately, we don't talk too much. Um, oh. We don't talk too much, but um, there's no ill will. Um, you know, uh, I don't have anything bad to say about him. But uh, just to go back to um, when I first received Christ um, that night, when I when I truly felt that the Holy Spirit had uh, had come into my life and that I'd surrendered all to Christ, I still felt a prompting to talk to my father-in-law because um, uh, he was pretty much the only male 
Christian that I knew. And so um, I did go talk to him and he prayed with me and I received faith. And um, but I shared with my mother-in-law that day. I said, you know, I always felt the peace of God in your home. And I always felt this this uh, this love, this grace and this mercy from you. And I thanked her and I hugged her for it. And so, um, but we've had a great relationship throughout the years. Um, uh, you know, times are tough right now. But, are they? Well, yeah. we'll pray about that. I mean, there, yeah. There's always the seasons, you know. Yeah. But it, it's still, um, it is phenomenal that God would intersect lives like this. And I think I shared it the, during the break, you know. I, in some respects, I, I kind of expect your kind of testimony. Because God came to seek and save that which was lost. He, he came for the sick. He, the healthy, he said, don't, they don't need a physician. And I assumed I was healthy for many years. And uh, the fact that he would still rip my soul apart and uh, love me in spite of my pride and my arrogance and my religious zeal um, was really quite amazing. You know, I think there's some great truths. When I was thinking about when the ID, the DNA of of a true believer is the love of God. Yes. That's been gushed abroad in their heart. And I looked at John uh, 13, and I just was trying to, he demonstrated the love that he's telling them, now I want you to be characterized by this. And I just noted some things like this. He said he loved them to the end. Uh, We were talking about being faithful in church work. Uh, I I think that's what uh, John Piper wrote a book, We Are Not Professionals. You don't pay men to have a burden. (laughs) No, I pay you to do a job, and I pay you so much an hour. You go on the ministry, you you cannot pay me enough to make me stay up half a night weeping over a congregation. No, who wants that? Uh, no, you're not worth weeping over. You're not. I don't want you costing me any sleep because uh, you're just messy sheep. And then Jesus says, and you happen to be one of those messes. And... Uh, because I think today what I yearn to see is somebody that loves the flock. Would you die for them? Mm-hmm. And no, 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 don't, don't, don't tell me. You know, I can see you're ready. You're packed half the time, half, half the time. Because when the wolf comes, you flee. Oh, we found out that we got a hireling. Mm-hmm. You're here for hire. Yeah. You're not here to sacrifice. But here, Christ has been with these men three and a half years. They have failed. They've denied him. Uh, they've they've messed up so much. And he says, I'm going to love you to the end. Yeah, this is the night before Calvary. I'll love you right tonight. I love you. And then it goes on that he stoops to serve them. I mean, uh, the Jews said, never does a fellow Jew wash my feet. It was an insult to them. You hire a slave, but they must not be Jewish. And here the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, stoops and starts washing the feet of some fairly dirty men, physically dirty, but much more when you go beyond the picture. 
And then I thought of um, a uh, he, he, when he actually tells them, I've set you an example, do what I do. Now, I've been in churches where they literally wore his feet, and it was precious. It was a, a beautiful, it was like taking communion. And it was, a, we took and we wore his feet. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's more than that. I think it's, uh, would you wash your brother's feet? Uh, would you lower yourself? I, I don't find many humble men. Uh, Jesus says, you have to hang out with God to truly be humble. And we usually hang out with ourselves or those who think we're great. We, our egos are too fragile to run with true critics. And he said, in my yoke, You'll become gentle, and you will learn humility. You mean, God, you had to send the Son to live in the ghetto of this world to teach your disciples two things, gentleness and humility? Uh, you know what? I think it's scary to see who gets on the platform. I think, is there a picture of humility there? Or uh, do we have lords or do we have men that have stripped themselves of outward glory? He said, I'll stoop. I'll be the example. And then he says, by the way, I give you a new covenant. Not 613 commandments that Moses gave. Just love people. Love sheep. And uh, I grew up with a dad that was hurt many times in church. He was hurt so bad in a white church that he was forced to go to a black church in Kansas, down by the tracks, days of segregation. But he wound up the only white man in a black church, bleeding from how they did him. And one of the easiest places to get beat up and wounded is in the household of your friends, <laughs> in the, house, the household of faith. But in this day, listen to me, child of God, if you're going to evangelize a world, a lost world, Francis Schaeffer said, the world must see a church that is controlled by love and controlled by purity. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. You know, and a holy church and a loving church, it does the one another's. It serves. In, in Valley, I take in our children's program, the, the children's workers average being 70, <laughs> 70 years old. My wife, the uh, different ones, right down. Boom, 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 boom. What makes them do it? Most of us men don't have enough patience to be with a six-year-old, unless it's a grandchild over an hour. And yet I saw... You're being generous. <laughs> yeah. And I watched Ron Hughes make little five-year-olds eat out of his hand. That's when I said, you ought to be the chairman of the deacons. You're a stupor. Yeah. And so I think love. You know what the people in our church and everywhere, they just long to feel like maybe somebody up there cares for my soul. And I'm not sure they get that. They get a sermon, get out of here, we got to close the building, and uh, they don't hear most of us weeping over them because we don't weep over them. 
That, that's too charismatic. Anything with emotion, we've got to label charismatic. No, it's called the work of the Spirit. That I care about a wayward prodigal. I weep over my daughter. I weep over other people's daughters in this church. And so that uh, this love of God in a cold age, should, wouldn't it be wonderful to be called the first church of love? Not soft on truth, but not soft on love. Hmm. We're, we're as courageously loving as we are defenders of truth. Hmm. Give us that blend. And, it, and it's not this sloppy, sentimental, yucky love that the world wants to see. That, that, that's, that's not love. No. Uh, we're talking about something that is deep, Golgotha deep. I we love need to, that was sacrifice. Yeah. We need to take another time out, gentlemen. We do, uh, we'll continue this conversation here in just a moment, but we do need to pay some bills around here, and we will be back as Lifeline continues. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back. It is Lifeline. We're starting to wind things down a little bit, man. It's just moving along fast here tonight, and we trust and pray that as you uh, spend time with us, you yourself are getting a glimpse into what this godly love really looks like, what this agape love looks like. It's, uh, it really is quite unique, and it's different than most. You know, one of the things that I have always found challenging, Pastor Phil, is how you love the unlovely, how you love those who persecute you and spitefully use you. If you could maybe take a moment and talk about that, I I personally would benefit from this. <laughs> well, it I, is a challenge. It is a great challenge. And now I have to say, uh, in all honesty, uh, I, I'm a spoiled American Christian. I've never been persecuted to blood. And he said to the Hebrews, you've not suffered unto blood. Uh, and I, I think the suffering a lot of times is in and out of the church. Uh, my dad, when I said, I, I felt like he wanted me to be in ministry, he said, well, can you live with three things? And I said, what's that? Being misunderstood, falsely accused, and uh, misunderstood, right, uh, falsely accused, and unappreciated. Mm-hmm. Well, as a kid, that, it, that just rolled off of me like, oh, what's that? Yeah. What's he talking about? And uh, I think a lot of the persecution in the church comes in being slighted, unappreciated, falsely accused, because, you know, one of the greatest evidences and one of the greatest battles we have today is to maintain the unity that is supposed to exist. Uh, I heard John MacArthur saying here the other day, unity is the most prized possession under attack in the church today. Saints fighting with themselves, the political scene. Uh, if I'll let the culture talk, they'll make me a racist. Hmm. And I said, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm not a racist, and I won't let you make me one. And uh, uh, they'll make me a lot of things. But I think it's uh, learning to take the route of humility, uh, stooping low, because uh, Spurgeon said, if you stay low to the ground, you don't have far to fall. Right. And uh, I, I think it's tough because people have talked about us, all of believers, uh, the false accusations, 
impugning motives. So many, uh, I've been on trial in church several times, supposed to have done this, supposed to have done that, and had to go before church leaders to be tried. And uh, it was, uh, I'm amazed, in my early ministry, uh, I had to go before the leaders because I was accused of stealing. And what I stole by accusation was worth something like $400. And uh, I think before I went into that meeting, uh, and I I bought it from my brother's family. They knew it. But this guy just made this accusation. Happened to be an officer. So I'm standing before these deacons and elders. Did you steal this? Did you do that? Well, I must tell you, before I went in there, I was outraged. How dare they accuse me? Where are the two witnesses? You know, where's the due process? And then when I stood before them, God just overwhelmed me. Well, don't act like you couldn't do it. You've stole many times. Every glove I had, I stole. <laughs> Every bat I had, I, I was a thief. Uh, loved to go to the rec department to steal a ball glove. So don't act like you couldn't have done it. Right. But then I told the man, I said, if I'm going to lose this church for stealing, the next time I'm going for more money. <laughs> I said, $400 ain't worth it. You know, let, let's go for some of the big money. And the man was proven to be, you know, he, he was just wrong. And it was his mistake. Young believer and loving, precious man. Uh, just made a mistake. But uh, in the church, are you willing to be misunderstood? Are you willing to have you? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, I don't, let me read my motives because the Corinthians were sure good at mopping up a preacher. Here the guy that planted the church and made leather products to feed himself because he wouldn't let them give him an offering. He said, this is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. And the word for servants here means under rower. Hooper uh, Ates. To be on the lower galley of Third a level ship. galley slave. Uh, we're, we're just the guys down in the galleys. Uh, and we've been given this trust. We should be faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. And uh, I have to say from a 15-year-old boy, I ask God, keep me straight on motives. Keep me straight about money because they'd give me an offering as a youth speaker. I didn't want to love money. Keep me straight on morals as a 15-year-old boy. 
it was harder to be pure than it was to prepare sermons. And then when I was in my 40s, I said, God, don't let me be detoured that I came to Rodeo to die. Mm. I, I didn't come for a raise. I didn't come. I've had other churches pursue me, but my motive was to die for the unwanted area. The west side of this county is the place you don't want to be. They're rough. There's too many Randy Osties. They're drugs. They're fighters. They're scrappers. A lot of white, black people. And I thought, I came to die. So I've been here 50 years. When God bids a man come, he bids him to come and die. I came to die. And that, and, 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 and again, this die. is... This is a love that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You you know, uh, the world's love is go find the lovely looking people. Go find the ones that are easy to love. Go find the ones that make sense about loving. Absolutely. Not, not, not going to the dregs, <clears throat> but this is the love we've been called to. And I, I guess, Phil, at the end of the day, it's, it's something that can only be explained to somebody whose heart has been made alive, isn't it? It's a, well, I, I often, I told a guy one time, I said, why are you pastoring there, basically? You, you're, you're in the, uh, that, that's not where the money is. That's mm -hmm. where the whites are. Mm -hmm. That's not where the elite. And I said, you know what? I wonder why Jesus, when he put out his itinerary for his earthly ministry, included Samaria. There was just one prostitute. One one woman so bad other women wouldn't be seen with, with her. her. Yeah. And he said, I must go through Samaria. Mm. Uh, there's a woman at a well. I'm going to lead her to. I want to give her the drink she's never had. And as far as I'm concerned, there's a lot of guys in ministry but never were placed by God. They don't have a divine burden. I can't give the elders of this church the burden I had. Right. I still have it. I ought to move and get out of here, but there's this sense uh, I don't want. It's why we started a Bible college, because I grew up thinking, is it just white boys with money that deserve to know the Bible? No. Because tuition, this. And I said, no, we'll start a school here, and I don't care how broke you are. I don't care about your color. I don't care about your wardrobe. I'm going to give you the unsearchable riches of Christ. And if God would only turn back the clock mm. and let me be 40 do it again. and give me the voice of a trumpet, I would be spent to do that. Well, we've got one more break we need to take here, and then we'll come back and close out the evening here tonight. We're talking about love. It is indeed a radical love, a, a selfless love, a love that just, for most, and for most intents and purposes, simply does not make sense. But then uh, heaven doesn't make sense to a, no, to a no. gross sinner like you and me. And, to save uh, your enemies? To populate oh. heaven with your enemies? <laughs> <laughs> what a... What a crazy notion God has had, and oh, I am, yes. I am, I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that that crazy notion has included a fool like me. Me too. Amen and amen. We'll take another quick time out, come out and come back and close out tonight's edition of Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard. We're back right after this. 
And we are back. It is Lifeline with your uh, guest host, Pastor Phil Howard, here tonight. It is our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline once again, Monday through Friday, 5.30 in the morning, right here on KFAX, Sundays at 8.30. You'll be able to listen to Pastor Phil on a regular basis. Great way to get your day started. As we uh, think about starting days, we're also ending one right now. And Pastor Phil, I'm going to leave it to you to close us out this evening with some final thoughts on this radical love we've been trying to describe and explain for the last couple of hours and just how deeply God loves us with this love that is just uh, beyond comprehension. It is beyond, you know, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable or his indescribable gift. Uh, I tell you, it it, uh, makes my tongue stammer. How can I tell how can I describe, you know, all oh, the love of God, how great, how rich. And if you could drain the ocean yeah. of a chink, make every man a scribe by trade and take every stock of grain and turn it into a pen to describe the love of God, uh, there would be no end. There's no end. They found those words scribbled on the wall of an insane asylum. That's where the words were found, the love of God. Uh, And I think of this Apostle Paul uh, when he said that uh, I was a persecutor of God's church. And in Acts 9, the Lord Jesus said, um, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? And uh, I think uh, God's church all over the world is being persecuted right tonight. In America, it's being persecuted with sleep, with pleasure, with ease, with uh, cutting our church attendance, uh, having another gospel, having a social gospel, having a a self-esteem lecture, Instead of, listen, what do you think of yourself when you come to Christ? Paul said in 1 Corinthians, when he shared the gospel, he said, I among the apostles and am as small as an aborted fetus. I'm the least in the number. I'm as one born abnormally. I, I mean, what a description. I can't imagine a brilliant man saying, when you reckon me, say, he's like an aborted child. He, he's that far down. I, I can't be compared to the others. But I am the least of the apostles. Have you ever called yourself the least in the church? Oh, I'd love to meet someone that felt that way, but was still greatly used of God. And do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. I worked harder than them all. I would like to say, uh, Andy, just to be a part of seeing God transform a Randy, remembering when a Chuck and Catherine Laudable brought a, a young son, Timothy, 
been out of church for years. Now they're married. They want to raise their boy in church to see the worker they turned out to be. The trend. They found something to live for, more than money, more than a, a raise at Bank of America. They said, uh, we're going to make up for lost time. Uh, I think of uh, somebody asked me, if you were going to do it all over again, what would you do different? Saved in 58, surrendered in 59, went to the mission field in 65, became a college teacher at 66, left after seven years to get a master's, came back to an empty dance hall in 71, been there 50 years later. I say with all humility, I have no regrets. Mm -hmm. I would marry the same woman. I would start in the same building. And I would trust the same two women, Virginia, Hazel, and my wife. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I, I came to die for the area. I grew up here. I fought. I stole. Never as bad as a Randy's. Because I had a mom and dad knew God. I had Christians, and I didn't go far. Fourteen, I I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist the altar calls. I couldn't resist uh, the songs. Come home softly and tenderly. As a little punk, I'd cry even though I wasn't saved. I'm saying to you listening, you've never you've never been hugged and embraced in your life until you come to Jesus. Fall into his arms, he'll free. The old song says, in his arms are 10,000 charms in the arms of Jesus. And don't dream of merit. The only merit he requires of you is to feel your need of him. Feel your need of him. Are you sick of relationships that are going south? Are you sick of broken promises? Are you sick of a single life on a bar stool? And uh, maybe another pill. Oh, listen to me. Christ came to give you life. Yes. He gave his life that you might have eternal life because he loves you. you. God so loved the world. Not that he sent you a kiss. Not that he sent a naked picture. No, but that he slaughtered his son. Oh, on a dark Friday, when the sun refused to shine, God... God abandoned the best thing heaven had for you, friend, you in your sin, you in your rebellion, you that are not safe to be out on the street. This God wants to save you. He tracked Paul down. He was killing my brethren. He was killing my pastor friends. They were slaughtered by Paul. And the Lord Jesus said, you've been killing me. You've been stabbing me, but I want to save you anyway. And we are all products of the amazing grace. There's no word for grace like amazing. <laughs> it's amazing that we're here as his products. It truly is an amazing grace, an amazing love that we've been uh, discussing here tonight on Lifeline. And as we close out, we've got three minutes left here. Um, man, how can we pray for you? 
you can stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.org, and leave us a quick note. We'll be faithful to pray for you. Uh, it is our desire, our earnest desire, that this love we've been talking about tonight here on Lifeline is a love that you experience, whether it's for the first time ever or whether it's something that has been missing in your life for years because you've, you've rebelled and you've strayed from the faith. Whatever the case, it's this love that we long for you to be bathed in and wrapped in once again tonight. Come back. Come back. Yeah, come back. Come back. And if it is the first time, uh, as, as Randy mentioned tonight, there's nobody you can trust on the face of this planet, but there is one in heaven who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, whoever lives to make intercession for you. Mm. And he's doing so now. <clears throat> Won't you come? Won't you you experience this love we've been trying to explain for the last two hours? And as as Phil said, we we could spend the next 10,000 years and never scratch the surface of this deep, deep love of God in Christ. And if COVID has beat you away out of fear and intimidation, I beg of you, dear child of God, come back. Oh, Andre Crouch wrote a song, Take Me Back to the place where I first met you. Come back. You can't encourage me if you don't come back. I, I can't be, I, I'm encouraged just to see your face and to see you are still following the cross, following Christ. It's not church attendance per se. It's I'm still standing in a cold day mm. for a loving God, a loving Savior. Come, don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. It is love that would compel us to ask you to pray for the Ukrainians tonight. Oh, yes. It is God's love that would compel us to ask you to pray for the Russians who are attacking them. In fact, let's do that as we close out. Father, we do ask for your grace and your mercy, your sustaining love to surround and wrap around those in Ukraine tonight. May you grant them your peace Give and your grace. Your peace and strength. And may we pray for those attacking. Father, may they get a clear comprehension of what they're doing yes. and the sin that's involved in it. May you reveal in their hearts and minds today and save many. Save. save many. Save many. Use this as an opportunity to shed your love abroad in the hearts of those who need it. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory and all the thanks. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks to Pastor Phil. Thank you to Randy for our time together tonight. And Chuck, who spends his nights with us as well. Thank you and Nate, who's running the board tonight. Uh, it all is, uh, It all rolled into one makes everything possible. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time here on Lifeline on AM 1100 KFAX.